How are you guys doing, really? Legitimately, this is an audience participation moment. <laughs> now, these guys right here relocated. I don't know. You and Joel don't know that. They, was, they were over here. Uh huh. Yeah. They took lay of the land and moved to here. Yeah. Because they heard, Joel, you were going to be on that side. I, yeah. I mean, that's fine. So don't blow it. <laughs> um, <coughs> that would so be so funny if they all were over <laughs> <laughs> fine. Next yeah. week. And there's no one here. Yeah. Like this section's empty. Uh, I'm Vic. Uh, I'm the college pastor here, at least for the next hour. Um, <laughs> this is, this is uh, Chris and Joel. And uh, if this is your first time in the room watching this, uh, just buckle up. You'll understand maybe at the end. Um, we are in the book of Malachi. But before we get to Malachi, I want to I wanna read you a little story. Here we go. Story time with Papa Vic. It's, it's in the Old Testament book of Numbers. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. But I'm going to read this, and I want you to just listen attentively. While Israel was staying in the acacia grove, the people began to prostitute themselves with the women of Moab. The women invited them to the sacrifices for their gods, and the people ate and bowed down in worship to their gods. So Israel aligned itself with Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against Israel. The Lord says to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that his burning anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses told Israel's judges, kill each of the men who aligned themselves with Baal of Peor. An Israelite man came bringing a Midianite woman to his relatives in the sight of Moses and the whole Israelite community while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now, don't miss that. Right? God just Moses just said, hey, we're going to kill all of the people that have done this. This dude marches right past Moses in front of all the children of Israel with his Midianite prostitute into the tent. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw this, he got up from the assembly, took a spear in his hand, followed the Israelite man into the tent, and drove it through both the Israelite man and the woman, through her belly. Then the plague on the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. The Lord spoke to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the Israelites because he was zealous among them with my zeal, so that I did not destroy the Israelites in my zeal. Therefore, I declare, I grant him... My covenant of peace. It will be a covenant of perpetual priesthood for him and his future descendants because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the Israelites. I'm going to stop right there. It's my storybook Bible doesn't have that story. <laughs> I mean, this is in the Bible. Like, what, what's, your, what's your first reaction when you hear that story? That's probably not a bad one. 
And if you think it doesn't happen, I was just thinking about this, not the killing part, we'll get to that, but if you think it doesn't happen, like my kids do this all the time. I'll have one kid right here and, and my kids are hearing all this and I'm like, listen, you cannot do this, this, this. And then my kid, other kid comes walking past and is like doing what I just am yelling at them for like right in front of me. So they're bold, like my kids are bold. So like <laughs> that, this is kind of what's happening is in this story, the, the people have melded themselves together with this group so that the God of Baal has become their God, and and this guy just walks in front, showing no respect at all to what God's doing right in that moment. It's an astonishing story when you think about it. God, God. First, first of all, let's let's talk. The guy that walks in front of Moses, basically taunting him, goes, "Eh, Phineas, can we talk about this guy?" Yeah. So now to the killing part. He heard the word of the Lord. Sees it happen, and he goes, oh, okay. Picks up the spear. It's instant obedience. And, and um, God rewards that. And we, like, we don't, we typically in our, our, our Western mindset have no category right. for this. Mm-hmm. And, and so now you're probably wondering, why in the world did he start with that story? <laughs> I was so happy. Here's why. It's directly connected to the passage we're going to read today. But before we go any further, I, I, I feel like we've got to give you a little context for what we're about to read in this chapter. Uh, there's another passage uh, in Isaiah. <clears throat> so this is, why, this is basically why God commands Moses to kill all the leaders, because they've defamed his name. They have uh, made a mockery of him and his covenant with him. And, and so, let, let me say it this way. God's ultimate purpose beho- behind why he does every single thing is this. He does it for his own glory. Now, there are other motivations, but the primary motivation for everything God does is his own glory and his own name. So, let's look at Isaiah. Chapter 48. Beginning in verse 9, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Now, that's... Uh, we were t- talking backstage. Uh, you just read. Uh, have you finished the book yet, Bonhoeffer's? I'm right in the middle of it. Has, has like anyone 5, read the pages long? So I, <laughs> the, uh, it's Eric Metaxas sort of uh, biography of Bonhoeffer. It's like 800 pages. Yeah. Metaxas himself <laughs> didn't even read it. Yeah. Um, uh, I read it. <laughs> I did too. That was a joke, but oh. it just kind of fell. Yeah. Flat. That's what happens when you have stories. You start with a story where somebody gets run through with a spear. Yeah. You lose the room. Uh, <laughs> so this idea of why we have a problem with this is got it's just so other. We don't even have a category for it. Yeah, and my, my kids do this a lot. They'll, they'll talk about a situation or, or something, and they'll be like, yeah, this guy was really strong and big, but, but God is bigger. And, I'll, and, and it's like, yes, but in their minds, they're thinking like, okay, there's a house, and God's a little bit bigger than a house. So there's a person who has big muscles, but God's are a little bit 
bigger. And so I've, I've, take, I've tried in various situations, not always, but just to explain, like, don't think, like, biggest, strongest man ever and a yeah. little more. You, yeah. you just have to think other, right? Like, yeah. we, but we do this, right? We build up this image of God as, like, kind of like us, but a little bit better. Like, kind of like us, but, mm-hmm. you know, more so. It's like, no, no, no. We, like, whatever categories we have, a story like this breaks it, doesn't it? I mean, like... <laughs> There, we, we, we have to, to forget maybe some of the, the little boxes and categories that we've, that we've somehow shoved God into because it, he is other. And just real quick, I want to I do this because, you know, I like lists, so I made, a, I made a list. I don't want the room to think that Vic is, like, picking one verse out of the Bible to make this point, like, God does stuff for his glory. Yeah, because Isaiah said it one time. So just real quick, let me make note of where this is in scripture this is a big part of our it's night and what we're just pretty discu- huge i mean the yeah. the namesake name of this series this idea of god doing things for the sake of his holy name so just listen for a moment ephesians 1 says that we were chosen before the foundations of the earth to be adopted as sons through jesus christ for a reason what was that reason to the praise of his glory isaiah 43 says call my sons from the end of the earth my daughters whom I created for my glory. So we were created for his glory. We were called and adopted as sons for his glory. Isaiah 49 says that God set apart Israel as a separate people for his glory. Romans 9 says God raised up Pharaoh and hardened his heart for God's own glory. And Psalm 106 says God parted the Red Sea and brought people out of slavery. Why? For his namesake to make known his mighty power. Ezekiel 20 says God spared Israel in wilderness. Why? For their sake? No, no, once again, for the sake of his glory. Ezekiel 36, everyone's favorite verse about the hearts of stone being made into hearts of flesh, a new covenant. Why did he do that? So that his holy name would be vindicated among the nations, right? Isaiah 43, God forgives forgives sins for us? No, for his name's sake. Everything Jesus did was for bringing God glory, we see in John 7. Uh, 1 Corinthians tells us to do everything to the glory of God. And ultimately, Habakkuk 2 tells us that God's ultimate plan is to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. So see it from Genesis to Revelation, everything in between. What God does, he does for his name, his fame, and his glory. And that, that may be uncomfortable for some in the room. But at yeah. least know that it's in scripture. Yeah. All over the place. Yes. So the theological term here that is, you know, so hard to understand for us is holiness. Mm. Right? That God is totally set apart. He's holy. That's what that means. He's set apart. And he's completely different. So when we have the story like we find in Numbers 25, we should step back and go, oh, yeah. Exactly what Chris is saying. This God is not like us. (laughs) This God is totally different than us. I remember as a kid, I grew up going to church all the time. And I felt like our church was kind of strict. They had this rule, or I don't know, it was like an unwritten rule. It wasn't like plastered on the, any of the walls or anything like that. But I remember the first time, I didn't know it was a rule, I, I walked into this like sanctuary worship center like this at our church with a hat on. And Uh-oh. someone was like, you can't wear a hat in here. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't, but you know, of course, me, like as a young kid, I'm like, I'm, I'm wearing this hat. I'm not taking this hat off. But the... <laughs> The point is, I've been around backwards, but you know, they were a little misdirected, but the idea was like, if you walk into this place, like we're about to worship a holy God, like they're like, you have to be different. Yeah. Like, so they were trying yeah. to like get somewhere with it. I don't think like the hat accomplishes it. Um, I don't know. You can, we can have the argument later, but the <laughs> idea, everybody that, with a hat on in here just got real uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. 
I should have worn mine. It you should have. A lot better. It would have so, been, but it's uh, a prop. Anyways, yeah. we'll uh, get them some counseling. So here's what we're going to hear tonight. God is not like us. Right. God is set apart from us. And, and we should, more often than we do, step back and be like, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this God is bigger, greater. It, like, I don't have the words to say what he is so much more than what I acknowledge him to be so often. Yeah, and and it's and so the, typically people when they hear this for the first time they have this reaction. Well, that's unkind. In 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 fact, uh, Oprah Winfrey walked away from the faith because of this kind of doctrine. This she said that God's unloving. Brad Pitt, same thing, walked away from the faith as a young man because he he heard this and he said it sounds cool. And there's a long list of others. When they, when they run up against this God who is, who is jealous for his name, they have a hard time with it. But it's not unkind. In fact, Jonathan Edwards <clears throat> uh, said this, Because God infinitely values his own glory, consisting in the knowledge of himself, love to himself, joy in himself, he therefore valued the image, communication, or participation of these in the creature that's in you and I and it's because he values himself that he delights in the knowledge and love and joy of the creature as being himself the object of this knowledge love and commonplace thus God's respect to the creatures good and his respect to himself is not a divided respect but both are united in one as the happiness of the creature aimed at is happiness in union with himself. Is that like a summarized version of that? Okay, so a guy named John Piper a long time ago read this. This is in a Edwards essay called the, the End for Which God Created the World. You know, one of those really short Puritan titles. <laughs> uh, and John Piper condensed it. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's a, that's a little, it sounds better on a coffee mug. Yeah, fits on a coffee fits mug. Fits on a coffee mug. <laughs> That's basically what Edwards is saying. Listen, listen, we all human beings want to be happy. God wants to be glorified. And what, what Edwards and Piper saw, and I believe the Bible teaches, is this, that, that we are supremely happy when our lives glorify God. And if your life is, if that's not the primary motivation of your life, there's going to be some unhappiness. All right? And so I think the passage we're going to look at tonight actually bears that out. So Malachi chapter 2, we're in verse 1. So this is our main text. Sorry, it took us a little while. <laughs> yeah, that's the intro. That Let's was go. the intro. <laughs> and now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessing. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace 
and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. So, so the bottom line is, we need to answer this question. How do we live a life that honors and brings glory to God? I think you can pull out of the text very clear ways to do that. The first thing is this, listen to learn. You see, right out of the gate, in verse 1, he says, this decree is for you, priest. Remember last week we learned uh, just because you're not an Old Testament priest, you're not off the hook. Because we're all called, if we're, if we're covenant people of God, we're all priests. Um, so he says, this is for you. If think, you can, can we just, I just think that's such an important point. I don't want to gloss over in case you weren't here last week or if you're not up on your like, um, I don't know, Bible. Union with Christ. That's yeah, the maybe that concept is just not, you're not, so just let me say it again. Let me say it slowly and clearly, okay? Because here you might get lost in the text and be reading Malachi, Old Testament, Old Covenant. We're talking about priests who were dealing with offerings, like animals that were sacrificed in a temple to make atonement. But like Jesus came, so we don't do that anymore. So what's the point? Like that may be running through your mind. That's, so just, just that's again, valid. let's just remember that when Christ, the perfect sacrifice and the great high priest came and said that he was the temple and they could kill that, they could tear that temple down, he would raise it up in three days and that happened. And then he went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. We simultaneously became the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We became a kingdom of priests and we are to live with our lives as an offering before the Lord, Romans 12 tells us. All of those are encapsulated in the Holy Spirit in us. And so these words to the priests of what they're supposed to do in reflecting the glory and honor of God and leading people to do the same. And the people can look to them and what they do and how they live and see God. That responsibility now lies mm -hmm. on us as the people yeah. of God and the church of God, right? So yes, we're learning about God and his character here and he's talking to the priests in the Old Testament. But we're also remember this is to us. We are now that messenger, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit walking around for people to see the one true God, what he's like, and what that looks like reflected in his people. So just know that and hear yeah. that as we continue. That's, and it, that's a good you know, reminder. This was written to a very specific context of people in a mm. very specific uh, situation, and we read it that way. Yeah. But it, we take it off the pages now today, and we say, look, like, it's not hard to see how we can fall in the same trap that they fall in, that they had fallen in. Like, no respect for God. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's out there somewhere. I don't know. Like, it doesn't really affect my everyday life. And at some point, I think this will happen to you if, if you, like, if God's chasing after you at all, this is going to happen to you. You're going you're gonna to run up against this brick wall like they do right here. Yeah. And how you respond, this is, and this is kind of why we're answering this, how do you live a life that honors God? Like, how you respond, this is it. Yeah. He's trying to tell them, stop doing what you were doing, like, now go this way. And, and so the, the first thing I, I would say we pull out of the text is this, listen to learn. And, and the reason I added the phrase to learn is, is because a lot of us fall into this category. We listen, but we listen to respond. Mm. You, see the, you see the difference? 
Mm-hmm. You, you, you ever been, uh, we're, we're, we're all married. Not to, Not to each other. Filter. Yeah, it's engaged. Um, engaged. But oftentimes you will find, if you've, when you've been married long enough, I, at least I do this. I'll confess my sin in front of everyone. When Cynthia and I are having a conversation, I'm listening to her. When, when I say conversation, you know I mean argument. Um, I'm not listening to learn. I'm listening to respond because I, I want to win. Hmm. Right? No. <laughs> that was an inappropriate place to put Come on. <laughs> I love you. Let's sign up later for the other class that we're yeah. going to teach. Yeah. But, but you see what I'm saying? We, what, what he's saying is here, priest, you need to listen and, and learn. We need to be people who are willing to be instructed by God's word. That's the first step to, to living a life that honors God. And we God, need to listen so we can learn from God. I'm convinced we're terrible at this. Oh. Okay, like, can I just say, I mean, like when... When you think meditation, you probably think like Eastern mysticism or Yoda or something. But like that, that meditation is a biblical concept. It, and it doesn't mean what the Eastern mysticism says of like emptying your mind. Meditation actually is meant to be filling your mind with something. Filling your mind with this. Like filling your mind with truth. But like we listen to so many voices all the time. So, ma- so much input. So much noise. Like we have got to learn to cultivate the habit of stopping and listening and filling our minds with just this and like just being and letting it sit and rest. I mean, how often do you read about David in the Psalms? You're like, I just meditate day and night on your law. Like, that sounds yeah. crazy to us because we don't do that. But like, what if we did? What if we just sat and listened and let it rest on us, right? Um, I mean, that's, that's what I, when, when you say listen to learn, like that to me, that's what that, that the conviction that falls on me is I need, I need to make intentional time to turn off every other voice that's speaking that I'm listening to mm-hmm. and just listen to the one. So, it, I feel like I need to say something. Well, then say. I know that. I, this listening. is one of those where I I may regret it after it comes out of my mouth, but I feel like I need to say it. I I there's probably somebody in this room that's in the cage stage of Calvinism. All right, you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. You just want to fight and you want to argue, and every time you sit down to hear somebody teach. All you're doing is you're listening to critique. Well, I'm, I'm not sure that agrees with one of the points. Hear me. The, you, you're sinning. Okay? You, that's, that's not listening to learn. That's listening to respond. And I can say that because I used to be that guy. As you get older and, and you, you kind of grow in what God's, God, can we just say this? God's much bigger than five points. Okay? And, and I'm probably a nine-point Calvinist, so we, we can move on from that. Don't send the emails. Don't tweet me. I'm not on Twitter anyway, but I just feel like <laughs> when, when, you, when you listen to sermons, listen to learn. Don't listen to critique. That was free. Sorry. I yeah. felt like I needed to say it. And listen, listen to... to respond i mean the, yes. the take what you hear to heart yes. that, which i think is where we're going which next. is next. So where we're going your, next maybe that's slide. a good segue well i'm just so i i didn't take like greek or hebrew or any of the languages so 
But I, I looked up this whole, like, taking it to heart as I was trying to figure out what, what was in that <laughs> phrase. And it really, it carries this idea of acting in light, like choosing to act in light of what you already heard is what taking it to heart means. And that, that brought me to James 1, right, where he talks about being a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Like, like yes, listen to, to hear. Is that what you said? Listen to hear or listen to... Listen, listen. listen to learn. There it is. Listen to learn, but also listen to... I, I wasn't really to, listening. Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't listening or learning. See? See? That was planned. That you was think totally... you don't do it. Chris just did it. Totally perfect. staged. Um, <laughs> what was it you were saying again? Wait, what did learn. you say? And then... <laughs> That was amazing. That's, ama- that's perfect, though. <laughs> You're welcome. And, and then listen to respond in obedience. <laughs> Make a decision. I'm just going to keep going. You can laugh. I'm sorry. It's fine. It was so good. It no, was. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then make a decision to act in light of what you've heard. Right? I'll, I'll stop. Go ahead. <laughs> Please. The reason that this is a sin, like what you're saying, is because it's prideful. Yeah. Right? What God is seeking is always seeking those who are in a posture of humility. And so that's what it means for us to listen to learn. That is what it means for us to take what we hear and, and put it in our heart. And like Chris is saying, that the phrase like is where it so takes, takes hold of you that it sets the direction in which you go. Mm. So that's what it means to take it to heart. And he, and he repeats this twice in verse 2. That's how important this is. Like yeah. he wants this to sink down into their inner being and impact them in a way in which it moves the direction of their life. We can hear this sermon tonight and walk out and never like change. And God hates that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, let it sink in enough to where it actually moves us differently than than previously. Yeah. So the and and the next thing is this. I I just you know, you try to be really creative. We got slides, and, and I couldn't come up with anything more creative than this, fear and awe, because mm-hmm. it just comes right off the page. Um, we're we're going to come back to the verses 3 and 4, so we're going we're gonna to skip those for a second. We're going to jump down to 5. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. This is a reference back to Numbers 25, mm-hmm. all right? And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear. And he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. So God, God makes this covenant with, it goes all the way back to Numbers 29 with, with Phineas and the priest because they stood in awe of God and fear. And I, I, I mean, it, I've spent the past week and a half trying for this moment trying to think lord how can we express this this concept of fear you know what it means in the hebrew what's that fear fear yeah yeah be afraid and so i think what happens is sometimes we go way too far on this end and it becomes this fear in the sense of like oh fear that um he's going to take away my salvation and i have to do something to earn it like I'm, i'm afraid in that way or it can become like oh it just means it just means reverence it just means respect him but like somewhere in the middle is this sense of like, no, like God is terrifying in his presence. I mean, like I, my, my son asked me a few nights ago, it was perfect timing. He said, Papa, what does it mean to fear God? And my, my, I, I pulled a Jesus, I answered his question with a question. I said, well, Asher, um, if, if God could appear right now in all his glory, what would your response be? 
And this was great. He said, I would fall on my face. And I'm like, yeah. That is correct. You would, right? And so I've, I've, I feel like I have all these different half thoughts. And, and so maybe some of them will click. But let me just, let me walk you through where my brain has been as I've tried to wrestle with, like, how do we express? Because I just don't want you to, to hear this concept and learn what it means to fear. I want us, I want myself to cultivate a, a healthy, right fear and awe of God. I want us to walk away from this room with the sense I fear him, right? Yeah. So here's one thought I had. You can study and learn about a grizzly bear and think, that sounds scary. And then you can be in the woods alone and meet a grizzly bear. Yeah. And then you know fear, right? In the same way, you can learn about God all day long. Have you met God? Have you met him? And, and, and this may sound like too much of the terrifying side, but, but listen to what Job says, right? Job, we have like 30 chapters of Job's friends saying dumb stuff. And then it ends with this amazing, just like God saying, hey, where were you when I made mountain goats and the snow and everything else? And it's Job's four, just, It's four chapters. Four it? chapters of just, you should read it. It's, I'm, I'm always just like flipping through. Yeah, that guy said this, it was lame. And then God speaks and you're like, bring it on. And at the very end, Job says, I had heard about you with my ears. But now I see you with my eyes, and I repent in dust and ashes. And that's, that's what I want for my heart. I want to see this God and not, not fear hell, because Christ paid for that, but to rightly fear the God who made this world. Yeah. The God who made grizzly bears and hurricanes and me and you and COVID-19. Yes. Can we just say that? It, listen, if God well, is not let, sovereign. Let's put it this way. God wasn't up on the throne and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. If God is not sovereign over the coronavirus, then he can't be sovereign over your salvation or eternity. If, if there's one ion in the universe that he's not sovereign over, then he's not sovereign. Okay? That's true. So, so help us unpack this fear and awe thing. Okay. Well, I was thinking about what you just said, Chris, and I was thinking about a video that I saw, I think it was this summer, that was viral. Did you guys see the mountain lion video where the guy was, like, hiking through the mountains and the mountain lion came up on him did, um, oh not hiking he was an ultra runner and he was training that's what it was yeah, yeah. and details in there and this guy he is so scared like right when he's like you, just search it someone will help you find this video you got to watch this there's video. somebody's watching I'm, it right now i made my <laughs> wife watch it i was like this is crazy and and it, you see like that's what you're saying like when you actually meet this animal that can tear you to pieces in a moment like yeah you're you're not you're not like nice kitty cat you're like whatever he was saying um, and, and sometimes like terrifying things can be beautiful yes like like um have like if you're on the beach and there's a thunderstorm like out over the ocean mm. and lightning like, like what's come on that's pretty spectacular right and that's beautiful but if the lightning hits two feet from you or if you're in a boat with Jesus, <laughs> that's true. And there's a storm, you're terrified. And then what happens? Jesus rebukes you for your fear. Yes. And then Jesus stands up and says, Be still. And the storm obeys him. Mm. And here's what's cool they were afraid again. And this time there was no rebuke. They that were was afraid a of, right fear. They were afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of Jesus. <laughs> They're like, they were terrified right. and said, Who is this guy? who just told the waves to be quiet and they listened i, I have a real life example too oh yeah let's, that's what, let's that was go. real life that was the bible no i mean <laughs> how dare you <laughs> yes. like my life jesus okay. juked I was right there go home. that's it sorry 
Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've never been wow. happened to me before, Chris. Wow. Please don't <clears throat> share with us. No, like an, an example from my life, okay, is what I meant to say. Um, you know, if you've ever been on a mission trip before, this is like where, you know, you get a group of people together and you say, okay, we're going to go share the gospel. We're going to share the good news with people. We, we take off. And I was on one of those trips. And oftentimes as Christians, we're like, oh, look, like this is a good thing we're doing. Like, aren't we proud of ourselves? We're going out. We're sharing the gospel. And, and you just kind of work your way through your week. And I'm, don't get me wrong. Like, we aren't try it like this we like we are praying and it really is but but sometimes you just have those moments where like I don't know all that superficial just gets boom exploded and this happened one time when I was on a trip in Brazil and we uh, were with some indigenous people and uh, the the chief and his wife or I'm sorry his daughter were there and they had invited us into their temple and no outsider had ever been inside their temple before. And we knew this was like a really big moment. And um, we had given them some gifts. And I don't know, I don't even know, like, I look back, I'm not even sure what happened exactly. But the next thing you know, we're like sharing the gospel. Our friend, somehow we got sucked in with them. We're in this temple, and it's me and my wife and our Brazilian friend who doesn't know any English. And we're all talking to each other, sharing the gospel. Well, we were, we were talking, and our Brazilian friend, he was talking. And anyways, to make a long story short, when we got out, he was like, we were like, how, we actually had to speak through a translator to him, to our Brazilian friend. We're like, how, how did you, like, know what we were saying? And he was like, I don't know. Wow. And we're in the middle of this temple, and everyone's just bawling as we're sharing the gospel about Jesus coming and, and, and how he is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God of all gods. And, and just like, like the spirit of God fell in that place. Well, I walked away and I wasn't like, man, that's, I don't know if I've even shared that story. Wow. But we got to Malachi and I was like, this, okay, now's the time. Because it's not like a story where you share and you're like, oh, look at what God did. I mean, I guess you do. But it was more like the feeling afterwards, like I'm scared to death hmm. because of what I just saw. Wow. Like that was so much bigger <laughs> like then I could have ever imagined or dreamed it up or thought it could be like like God showed up right then and when that happens I don't know you gotta Th that's the other yeah yeah man man number next teach and guard the truth This is why I don't use. This is why I don't use well, electronics. This is why I don't use electronics. Go, if you want to jump to this point, you know, I think the connection we haven't made yet to the story you originally told was Phineas was a Levite. Yes. And he says, "Here's the covenant I've made with you as the Levites." Okay. And and so look at verse six. True instruction was in his mouth. Sorry, one earlier, verse five. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. So this covenant is the covenant with Levi. This is the priestly tribe of Israel. So that's Phineas, and he's reflecting back on that covenant he's had with the priestly tribe of Levi. And here's, here's the way in which they, they had fear and awe. We just talked about that. Verse 6, true instruction was, was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. That's where you were going, right? Right, right. 
He walked with me in peace, uprightness. He turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from them. So, so one of the ways to honor God is, is this, is to uh, uh, teach and guard the truth. It, it's one of the reasons that uh, every time you walk into a room at our church, it, somebody's going to say to you, open your Bible, and we're going to teach through books of the Bible, and because we believe that lives are changed when the Bible is read, studied, believed, and obeyed in the context of community. And I think, yeah, the teaching of truth, I, I don't imagine there'd be a lot of like pushback, like, oh, we don't really want that in here. But right. I, you might not always be thinking about this guarding. The, the idea of guarding, yeah. So, so see the missiological component here as well. That Paul was so serious about this. I mean, if you read through some of his letters and he talks about people who twisted the gospel a little bit, he's like, I want them to be... Well, he had some harsh words for yeah. them, that horrible things to happen to them because they are twisting the gospel. But, but think about this, right? It's, it's, it's for the sake of the name, first of all, mm -hmm. but also as we think about bringing this gospel to the nations, if we bring a gospel or if somehow a gospel gets there, that's the wrong gospel, that's a twisted gospel, that's a false gospel. People are believing in a false God. They're believing in false hope. They're not receiving the true Christ. We, and we, unfortunately, we see this. We see this with the prosperity gospel going to Africa and people flying their personal jets into poor areas in the continent of Africa and saying, if you give me money, then your animals won't die. Your wives won't miscarry because God is a God of blessing pouring out, but make the blessing pour to me first. That false gospel is proclaimed. God is not glorified. That person and his paychecks are glorified. And this is what Malachi and what we see later, Paul, and what we're saying right now, so serious about, like, guard the truth. Guard it for your sake and for the sake of the nations who need to hear about and glorify the one true God. Because otherwise they're glorifying something false, right? Yeah, and, and uh, this idea of, um, like, if you run up against things in the Bible that bother you, it's probably not the Bible probably you right I, I just we we need to guard the truth and i think in our current culture and climate there's a temptation even among i think large evangelical maybe churches or, yeah. or individual pastors to kind of just try to hide or put away or even twist and change things that seem intolerant not pc uncomfortable probably aren't reading the story of Phineas too often in a lot of <laughs> yeah. big, you know, because there's this sense of like, oh, but that might offend, yeah. right? As though we're so concerned about, um, like, listen, <laughs> then this goes back to our original point. God is the one concerned for his own name. You don't, you don't have to, to, to make sure that, like, you, your job is to proclaim the truth. Yeah, okay? he doesn't need a lawyer. He, he doesn't need, like, you're the messenger. The messenger listens and proclaims the truth, okay? Yeah. Last one. Walk in integrity. Mm. And, and so he, you, you may have missed it in verse 6 there. He walked with me in peace and integrity. He turned many from iniquity. Phineas, this covenant God makes with Phineas, who's a, who's a Levite, he had incredible integrity. He walked the walk. You it's evident from the story, right? He hears a command, 
killed these people that have disobeyed. He sees someone literally in front of Moses and the people break the command, and he, he just he does what because he's concerned about honoring God and God's name. He obeys. That's 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 all walking in integrity is. You hear, you you listen to learn. You hear, you obey. This is going to make me sound like a prude, and I just don't care. But I just I feel like someone needs to say it to you out loud, so I'm just going to say it. Like, the things that you're okay, and let me just say we, but like, no, you, that you're okay, that we're sometimes okay with watching mm. on Netflix, on whatever other streaming platform. If you're laughing at sin, there's nothing funny about sin. And what starts as laughter at someone else's sin becomes acceptance of and desensitization to, and then it's gone. That's not pursuit of holiness. It's not honoring to God. Like, check your spirit and what you allow into your brain, through your eyes, and what you laugh at, what you're entertained by. Okay? That's good. So we skipped a couple verses. I want to go back and look at them now. Because there's a consequence for not honoring God. If you go back to verse 3. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So you shall know that I have sent this command to you. That my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. And then skip down to verse 9. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. And as much as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. So here, here's, here's what Malachi is saying to these priests and, and what God is saying to us as a, as a people, as a church. He's saying this, listen. When, when you read that verse, I will wipe dung on your faces, the, the dung of your offerings. Like, we just go, what? What? So here's what would happen. The priest would make an offering. They would have to, it, it, it's actually the, the, it's not just the dung. It's the, it's the intestines. It's all the waste product from the animal. They would have to clean that up. It goes in a box and it goes outside of the temple, outside of the camp, and burned. Separated from God's covenant people. That's what God is saying will happen to those that dishonor him. Cut off from God's covenant people. That's harsh. But here's, here's the glorious, glorious news you and i do not have to be shamed and cut off from god's covenant people because we have a high priest who what here here's what's amazing about malachi and we'll unpack this as we move on ahead you have you have three offices of the people of israel prophet priest king right malachi is the last old testament prophet when, when we get to Malachi 4, the last word of him, that's for 400 years, there's not a prophet. The priests have basically forfeited everything. And there's no king. 
So for 400 years, God's people are wandering, and, and the three offices that, that taught them, uh, prayed for them, interceded for them, ruled over them, gone. And the next time prophet, priest, and king show up, it's in the, to- it's in the womb of an unwed teenage girl in the temple. Jesus serves all three of those. And, re- and th- here's how we're going to close. I want you to look at this. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about all the sacrifice that had to be made and how the blood of bulls and goats couldn't, couldn't do what needed to be done for us. Verse 11, but Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. He entered the most holy place for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of young cows, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctified for purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from the dead works so we can serve the living God. Therefore, he is a mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of the inheritance eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. The covenant of life and peace that God says he promised to Levi belongs to you and I through the work of Jesus Christ as our ultimate high priest and sacrifice. And and we like no other time We need to live as a people who honor God. And if you've never said yes to what Jesus offers us, we would invite you tonight to do that. We're going to spend some time responding to what we've heard by singing, praying. We want the Holy Spirit to do His work in us as a covenant people right now. So let me pray for us. Father, we, we are a people who do not honor you. Uh, all these, these things we looked at tonight from this passage, we, we, it's in my own heart, I, there, it's rare for me to stand in, in sheer awe of you. God, I'm, I'm not quick to listen to learn. I, I always want to respond get myself off the hook and, and God there it's a, it's a heavy weight to, to not honor you and so God tonight I pray that we would all of us would just let go of whatever it is that, that's keeping us from living a life that would honor and glorify you Holy Spirit have your way Jesus rule and reign It's in your great name we pray. Amen.